0: Hi, I'm Chip Sidarsky, and you're listening to The Marvelists with Peter Melnick and Eddie Wilson. Avengers Infinity War. Now, nothing will ever be the same. Can anyone make sense out of all that's happened? These guys are going to try. Peter Melnick, local newspaper production associate, comic book enthusiast, and podcast pontificator. And Eddie Wilson, upstate New York morning radio broadcast announcer in the Sullivan Catskills, inundated with an inordinate amount of catching up in his own comic book universe. What happens next? Listen up, true believers. It's time for another episode of The Marvelists. Previously on X-Men. Cyclops, Storm, Banshee, Nightcrawler, Wolverine, Colossus, Children of the Atom, Students of Charles Xavier, Mutants, feared and hated by the world they have sworn to protect... These are the strangest heroes of all. Stan Lee presents the Uncanny X-Men. Welcome, everyone, to The Marvelists, the
1: Marvel Universe podcast. I'm Peter Melnick. And I'm Eddie Wilson. And before we get into the usual rigmarole of the topic matter at hand, which today is X-Men. The Last Stand. We want to let you all know how to get a hold of us on them, our social media. How, how we do. First off, go on Facebook at Facebook.com slash The Marvelists. Give us a follow on there. And while you're at it, also go on the Twitter machine at The Marvelists. And give myself a follow at Peter Melnick. Eddie doesn't want any of your Twitter shenanigans. Take a pass. Yeah, he's, he's literally throwing down that Uno card. He doesn't care. He doesn't care.
0: I like that game. It's a great game, isn't it? It's been a while.
1: It's been a while. Stained
0: insert here. Thank you.
1: But what we are also going to tell you about is how you can find us on Instagram. Go ahead. And we are on Instagram myself, at Peter Melnick. Yourself. Eddie,
0: 9193.
1: And collectively we are at... The Marvelists. It's it's very simple, to the point. We're a brand, people. And also, drop a line in our email bag, which, by the way, we are going to be answering one of which today. Send us an email... The marvelous at
0: gmail.com.
1: And when you do, we will give you questions, comments, strongly worded letters. That's they, what we're giving you, and you can give them to us.
0: It's more like the other way around, but okay. See, it's that opposite card.
1: It's the reverse card from Uno.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, I have to apologize in advance now for the following and the preceding, because Peter's in a different environment right now. We're broadcasting, we're podcasting from the radio studios of 95.9 VOS FM. It's it's so weird. It's He's like, so happy. It's almost like a homecoming in a roundabout way. I'm glad we're on opposite sides of the board. <laughs>
1: it's like a Spider-Man homecoming. I'm, I'm the Peter here. You're the Peter wherever you go. You know that?
0: <laughs> okay, now you do. <laughs> Ed, I, I, and I, you're welcome.
1: I was unaware of that, Eddie.
0: I mean... What, it's a tie? You're welcome? No. <laughs> Grandmaster, anyone?
1: <sighs> but also, you can listen to us... On a variety of platforms, including TuneIn Radio, iTunes, which, by the way, people, rate, review, subscribe, and share. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, and you can also listen to us on Stitcher Radio, available for all iOS and Android devices, and no needlepoint experience necessary. Exactly. The Stitches are already pre-made for you. Oh, perforated even. So, what we want you to do in the meantime is go to stitcher.com slash And use the promo code at checkout. Marvelists. There we go. I almost said the Marvelists, but no, it's just
0: Marvelists. I know.
1: Eddie, what is it? Marvelists. There we go. I I just want to do (laughs) third. That No, we're not talking about the villain from Thor The Dark World. No? But Where's the Mandarin? When you sign up for Stitcher Premium, folks, what you end up getting is a free one-month trial of Stitcher Premium. What about that poop ton? There's, There's a poop ton? Oh, yeah. There's a crap ton. Oh, that's it. There's a dookie ton. <laughs> dookie? Uh, doobie? What I hey, I'm not talking about the Green Day album. Oh, yes. But, and that's a big but, what you will be able to get on- Spider Sti- butt. <laughs> Hi, Kat. How are you? Kit. <laughs> <laughs> no, folks. What will happen is when you get Stitcher Premium, you can listen to a variety of programs, a plethora. You get- You're
0: going to clean that microphone, aren't you? I'm I Very well. my. <laughs> I mean, my spit might. I don't know. We'll it's figure this yours. out. All right.
1: But you can listen to programs such as WTF with Mark Marin, the full archive with a lot of interviews, a lot of interviews with Mark. You can also listen to the programs on the Airwolf Network, including How Did This Get Made, which features actually some of the movies we've discussed, but in a more comedic sense, although we're pretty comedic in our own right. We try. God knows. By gum. I like when you say by gum. Like that got back into my vernacular, just an FYI.
0: Yeah, that is great. That is terrific. Yes, exactly. We had a lot. We just did a lot of rigmarole. We have a guest rigmarole too, we have to get to, don't we? We'll get to the little fella. He'll be fine. He'll be fine. But
1: we also can have you listen on there to the Weird Al Yankovic's concert
0: archives. Concert archives. Who to put that with Weird Al? I wouldn't
1: have, but. I, I guess it's, mo- it's a thing. It's his archive of the most recent tour that took place in 2018. Uh-huh. So, go to stitcher.com/premium and use that promo code at checkout, marvelists. And you get one free month. You can cancel it anytime, but if you want to stay on there, guess what, folks? 4.99 a month. Fantastic content, and oh by the way, one more selling point, folks. Wait. Wolverine the Long Night. night. Give it a listen. It's it is marvel's entry into a serialized podcast format and i loved it eddie loved it mm. eddie's wearing wolverine headphones he was listening to wolverine the long night with those headphones it's what i do i watched it through the window
0: and what i do is pretty nice like me watching you through the window no
1: <laughs>
0: our, our guest just
1: looked at me in the greatest way possible
0: Gravest way, you mean. Potentially. put you six feet under, brave, 86 that. Okay. So before we get
1: into discussing the topic at hand of X-Men The Last Stand and our little bit of news, the big thing that happened today as of this recording on September 18th, we want to introduce a friend of the show, a delightful young man by the name of Joseph V. Abraham. Uh, Thank you. I'm happy to be here. And I've I've saved these two
2: comments because I didn't want to interrupt the- uh, Rigmarole. Wonderful. Uh, intro and, and uh, you know, uh, all the great uh, stuff you guys had. But uh, the Weird Al Yankovich reference, was that because this podcast is, like, white and nerdy? or At that, times. It can very well be. But And then my second statement is, when you talked about looking at Eddie through the window, are you more James Stewart or Melissa Etheridge?
0: Oof.
1: Come to my window, Eddie's home soon.
0: I am afraid that I heard that now. I cannot unhear that. You'll hear it in the windows tonight, rattling, rattling.
1: No, but anyway, Joe. First off, even before we get into everything, how can people get a hold of you on social media? Oh well, it's great that you use my full name, Peter,
2: uh, because pretty much at Joseph V. Abraham is my Twitter handle and uh, and my Instagram handle. Or... V is for vector. Do they even say? handle for instagram or is there like
1: a i've seen it from time to time
2: yeah what, whatever they call
1: it
0: In the non-cb way i mean that's a cb thing. breaker a, breaker yeah 10 good buddy yeah and of course RIP um, reynolds
2: yeah and um, <laughs> you know they can always uh read my stuff in the local newspaper for us uh, but i know you have listeners all around the world so um they can oh. do us online scdemocratonline.com and i write sports and life new stuff uh and I work with this great Peter Melnick. And, uh, Hi, folks.
0: Oof. And, of course, I Much know so Eddie because we
2: have many mutual friends. And uh, at uh,
1: you know,
0: We're found in similar, f- f- traveling in similar circles kind of thing. Yes. And sometimes getting dizzy at that. But.
1: Now, speaking, Joe, of around the world, we got a letter in our mailbag. And in that mailbag, we received from Nathan Donnelly from Melbourne, Australia. Down under Exactly. What a great letter. Men at Work, and Colin Hay. He's not from Men at Work. He's
0: (sighs) okay. But
1: you said Australia. You said Down Under.
0: Yes, yes, I did. And Colin Hay's a lead singer. He was a lead singer for Men at Work, but he was fantastic. And he did some solo work as well. So anyway,
1: in his letter, he basically told us how much he enjoys the show and what he, what he likes about the show. But one of the questions he said was. Comparing universes does beg the question, given Disney's purchase of Lucasfilm, which, in your opinion, has created a superior universe, the MCU or Star Wars? And he says he'd love to say Star Wars as it was the first movie he saw as a child. It was released in Australia in October 1977, and you can actually watch Mark Hamill promoting Star Wars on YouTube in Australia.
0: Mm, Very cool.
1: So his question of which is the superior universe, Star Wars or Marvel... Obviously, we're going to have that Marvel slant. Yep. But for myself, I have to go with Star Wars in a lot of ways because there is that massive community. Sometimes positive, sometimes incredibly toxic. But I digress. Star Wars came first, so you might be leaning towards that. Marvel. Personal came, p- Marvel came first, Eddie. You know that. Cinematically. Okay, I, I, that I could say, but I'm I'm just talking about in general. Okay. Like that's what he's going in
0: general. Okay. I thought he was really specifying it to the movies, the movie franchises. Right. The MCU. Right. And the Star Wars, you.
1: But I am so, I think what he's meaning, though, is more in the line of just the brands in general.
0: Okay. Well, Marvel is more far-reaching, I would say. and I don't mean in terms of light years and that kind of thing, because Star Wars is Star Wars. Uh, I mean, it, it reaches further out in terms of other media, whether it be books or... Or other interactive things, games, and things that I'm not leaning towards myself, but I'm just a fan of the movies, um, and, and of course the whole comic book thing. But but Marvel is more extensive, so it could be a matter of personal opinion. It could there could not be one greater than the other in some people's eyes? And in all fairness, I mean, I, oh, go
2: ahead, Joe. Oh, I say, I lean towards Marvel. Uh, I recently watched all the Star Wars movies in the last year, first time ever in 25 years of existence. Oh so I could be claimed again by my friends. Uh, and pretty It was much, a hell of a ceremony. Yes, it was. It was a great ceremony.
1: We lifted uh, you in a chair, like C-3PO.
2: Yeah, I levitated <laughs> like Yoda. Um, but anyway, the point is, you know, I think Marvel was better only because I would have to say they do a better job of connecting their movies and there being an understanding or one plot that it leads to, whereas Star Wars and their attempts to you know, start out at this time period, then do the prequels and whatever they call them upon there, I just mm. feel like it's very jumbled and there's not a lot of...
0: A lot of connection fair point good point mm-hmm. but they're both good so
1: and in regards to Star Wars I f- I do feel though there is I believe there's a mo- much more loyal fan base to an extent maybe not maybe so much loyal based on the hemming and hawing we've seen over the past year or so due to the last Jedi but yeah I, I just that's that's well, the thing. I
2: think that Star Wars has a uh, a wider reach in terms of Uh, people that like it, whereas I think if you have Marvel, I think that a lot of times you have more people who are generally into the sort of superhero type of, or comic type of deal that get into it, whereas Star Wars, I think, has a wider reach where you have people who, you know, have a variety of interests, whether it's sports or other things that have said, like, oh, we really like Star Wars. So I think that they have the edge there, but I was just saying in terms of, you know, what movies I think connect better and are just a... Just, just
0: when you said that, Joe, I had a thought that people like Star Wars to different degrees. Some people say, oh, I like Star Wars. I really like, no, I really like, you know, like they could answer every question in the Star Wars Trivial Pursuit type of thing. I can't. I yeah. can give you the basics and not get too far into character details and analysis. And some people are uber fans. So there are varying degrees and, you know, splintering of how much do you know, love, whatever. I'm sure they should come out with a uh, Obsessed with Star Wars book like oh, we have the Obsessed with Marvel book.
1: Well, one thing about Star Wars and Marvel that I had a conversation with friend of the show, Mitch Halleck, promoter of Terrificon, and he brought up that Star Wars lost that level of specialness with the the frequency of the movies. However, Marvel, on the other hand... I'm just as excited for Captain Marvel as I am for Avengers 4 and just like I was for Ant-Man and the Wasp. And did I
0: did I hear you right? Mitch said that it lost momentum or I Star forget, Star Wars because there. of the frequency of the movies, the Star Wars movies?
1: In some ways, yeah. Because we lost that specialness where wow, I was excited for this. And then we have all these other things and it's funny because Star or Marvel, Marvel has very frequent but it also yeah yeah
0: it's more frequent than than star wars star wars was on sort of a regimented three-year cycle of the next movie coming
1: but star wars is a bigger longer term story i yeah. think. you know and yeah. whereas yes there's more frequency with the marvel movies you're taking a detour from certain characters whereas star wars is one long plot thread so what you're saying yeah. is
2: it's like marvel is like i don't know what's your favorite serial
1: peter do you eat cereal? like uh, Fruity Pebbles. Fruity All right, Pebbles.
2: so Fruity Pebbles have lasted a lifetime for you, like it 20 years, and you're saying Star Wars is like that that line of special edition, limited edition uh, boxes of cereal, which come out one on top of each other at various times, and eat about three bowls, and There's then after marshmallow it, you're like,
0: "Oh, I don't like." Hey, we're in singing. the season of the monster cereal, so. Uh... Yeah, it's fair the, warning. It's the pumpkin spice express. That well, was... that's over the last year or two. But is... Frankenberry and, and Count Chocula, I'm there.
1: They're making those, by the way. I love that they made those limited to once a year, and now you no longer have a loss of you know
0: enjoying those
1: monster cereals.
0: So you mean it doesn't fade the yeah, the interest? It's, it's special now. It's time again. So buy two boxes of each, and I will pass on the blueberry, on the boo How dare you, sir? No, 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 no. It's it's a problem.
1: Now this <laughs> this is our civil war. Let me tell you. Well, you can have all the blueberry you can stomach. Boo is delightful. Goody, Joe you, Joe. you don't like booberry? I'm very confused here, Peter. It's it's the, the ghost, this, this. the apparition, ah, okay. with the booze and the berries. Oh, okay, yeah, we'll the third over. monster cereal, oh, and there's cool. also a fourth one. There's fourth? a fo- <laughs> yummy mummy, and oh. then there's the fifth one, fruit brute.
0: Yeah, that that did come. That are I think more scarce. I don't recall them initially, but they've gone through. Uh, different incarnations and artist renderings and, and so on. And now, I had a picture I didn't post yet, but now some other cereals have gotten into the act for the limited edition, limited time, like the Frosted Flakes oh, boo them. and the Fruit Loops. And I forgot the third one now that has a, a, a Halloween-ish type of box cover. And Yeah, I'll probably wind up getting them too. So, disappointed. I, I. What about Wheaties? Always with an athlete, right? On the cover. Good. collect them all halloween time but then again they're orangey around the box hey right? there you go I think they you already know. had that down from the beginning <laughs> enough said moving right along yes in a studebaker already. uh-huh and a bear call on the captain the other captain now so yeah basically
1: that's how i feel about the marvel stuff and the star wars stuff together nathan once again thank you for your
0: listenage or patronage or whatever great and great, it is. And great uh, letter and email we appreciated that
1: now, also, just we want to add a little correction from an episode. It's going to be from about two, three weeks ago, maybe, give or take two or three episodes ago. Mm-hmm. We had mentioned during our Punisher episode, we got a couple comments about this, by the way, on our Facebook page and which, private message.
0: Which Punisher episode?
1: We're referring to Punisher from 2004. Remember the ice pop scene? Yes. Apparently, it did, in fact, happen in the comics in Punisher Warzone in 1992, drawn by John Romita, Jr. Nice. Okay. So... We were we were called to task for that,
0: because but, I think you had said no they would not put that in the in the comic book they wouldn't it, just, it would be so toned down and it just, did
1: not feel like it man well like, and I'm looking at the panel I'm like okay, okay I guess it did happen but that does not fit the tone do we have an
0: issue number I'll go look it
1: up no idea but I know like I said it's during the Punisher Warzone Zone John Romita run so I want to say within the first twelve issues or okay so.
0: mm-hmm.
1: and I believe it's written by Chuck Dixon as well don't quote me on that one
0: no. No, I'll be lucky if I remember what you just said there, so I'll just start looking through issues. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And it it won't be on the cover, so we'll have to just go into detail.
1: So now, as of today's recording, September 18th, 2018, we want to talk about the big news, the really big news. What dropped today, Eddie?
0: The trailer for Captain Marvel, coming in March of 2019.
1: And it's really funny that both that and Shazam are happening around the same time, same month-ish. September, or no... Around the same time, month-ish,
0: March, April. So um, you know what Marvel's done that a month apart from its own films, or uh, well, close 80. to that, to that mark. But uh, what is what is Shazam's real
1: original superhero Captain name? Captain Marvel. Yeah. Well, Captain Marvel.
0: Well, no, yes, I'm sorry, Captain Marvel. But Marvel was the original with two L's at the end of it, and I think hyphenated. Respect the hyphen. Eh, that's why I mentioned it too. But I, I like the opening words of the trailer that it says in 2019 discover oh, I just blew the next two words I was going to write it down too but that was part of the trailer the words that show up and, just, and that's why I paused in between people just watch the trailer <laughs> yeah what makes a hero and then they you no, know, fade to her no 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 it starts with her and then a hero show up to make those words on so either what, side of her so what we're doing right now is essentially holding on, holding off for a hero falling out for hero falling out for hero. terrific off oh, the Footloose soundtrack 1984 <sighs> Dude, yes in 2019 discover what makes her and then add uh and the O at the end of uh, I think that was kind of that was more than kind of it was very cool it was Neato Torpedo and we get a, a young two-eye-seeing Nick Fury also
1: and we also get Clark Gregg's Agent
0: Coulson with a luxurious
1: head of hair, just simply amazing. <laughs> Before he, he he started losing it, right? And it was really cool seeing like all these younger versions of these characters because it's we're we're already used to these characters, so we already think of them in that original incarnation. And then oh yeah, they are younger back then. Blah blah blah. And I I like that. I think it's it's cool. Yeah, I mean, me and Peter are already having the great
2: discussion of at what. How many minutes into the movie do you think we have to go before uh, he loses? Nick Fury eye? loses his eye. Yeah, you know, and it was
0: uh... <laughs> not the thing you're going to focus on. Okay, we're gonna. We found out, I think, in, uh, in at least one source. I think it was Entertainment Weekly, that issue with Captain Marvel on the cover, that the movie has it with with her, with Captain Marvel, Carol Danvers, already with her power. So we'll we'll get filled in as to how that came about.
1: That's that's cool. That's, that like is
0: that. that is cool. Yeah.
1: We also see her playing. Mama Said, Knock You Out by Punching a Woman in the Face. That oh, cool. an elderly woman at that. And why did she... Some people are like, why the hell did she punch a woman in the face? Yeah. But we, the comic fans, know why. She's a scrawl. Exactly.
0: I, I just took a guess. I really did.
1: Oh, that... No, this is going to be like the side adventure of her just punching people in the face. It was, it was for shock value. The twi- Two
0: times I've seen it, and I'm like, well, you, she hit it, you know. That's the B story, just like punching the elderly. <laughs> you just didn't see the multiple chin lines in the green complexion. She's a scrawl. Okay. And what I
1: also like about the trailer was just the straight-up 90s references. Like, it's going to be very in-your-face about it, but I also feel like maybe there will be subtleties to it, you know? And what I really liked about that trailer was the opening shot of where she crash-lands. Oh, in uh, Blockbuster
2: Video. (coughs) Yes, I was very excited about that. I remember it's very uh,
0: nostalgic. Already name dropping there, so okay. Or prior name but in the nineties Blockbuster Video was a, a thing. There was no Redbox. There was no Netflix. Correct? Correct. Thank you very Ooh, much. Correct, I can't hear you. Well your head in the nineteen
1: nineties there was Netflix in nineteen ninety seven their D V D rental service. Before.
0: Oh, okay. All right. See, see how much I was doing that. I wasn't at all. I wasn't, but I knew that I was Jeez videotaping Louise. movies onto blanks from HBO. Netflix That's
1: illegal, secret. Eddie. That's illegal what? for home use only. Netflix was on in
2: 1997.
1: <sighs> I don't remember it till the early 2000s. What Netflix? Yeah. No, Netflix uh, started in 1997 and anti- oh, 1998, wow. and then like they were, they were like a ridiculous service where like they sent gigantic packages in the mail by you know boat. Oh yeah. Okay.
0: By boat. Okay. Those, those are the olden days. From
1: Latveria Yeah.
2: But but Captain Marvel seems like it would. It's going to be a very uh, good movie, and it, I'm interested to see how uh, they kind of uh, segue her into being maybe a threat to stop Thanos and Avengers Four. A
0: force to be reckoned with. I'm just curious now that I'm thinking about it. I'm not trying to play devil's advocate, but Captain Marvel that we know in the Marvel Universe. I mean, going back to the trailer again, I'm, I'm mentally jumping around here a little bit and it's exhausting. You do see her in the uh green with some green in that costume, which is a throwback to the male Captain Marvel from the early 1960s and, incarnation. So, I don't know if there'll be any argument or whatever discrepancy about, oh, it's a, it's a female character but, you know, it really started as a male, you know, a comic book know-it-all kind of thing, but this is actually, what we this is what we have now and the female movie goer was going to be happy to see a superhero in her own right coming of age uh, their point of reference too when we do get to see and review Captain Marvel that there was a black fe- uh, Captain Marvel for a brief amount of time who I think could transform herself into a being of, of light as well and travel at the speed of light I believe with uh, a big a big do of the Afro nature but there was for a brief period of time as well and the son of captain marvel there was for a time also in the in the 90s so yeah and the captain marvel that i the the first female captain marvel was also part of the avengers for Correct. a time
1: yeah and what i want to know with this is do mm-hmm. you think that that green costume for her is going to be her quote-unquote training wheels costume it's going to be it's a start
0: yeah absolutely yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's then, the one she crash landed into blockbuster video with i like, i'm imagining and you know and then we'll see her in the, you know, red, yellow, and blue, which yeah. is going to be cool.
1: I can't wait to see that, you know, how she gets that costume, how that happens.
0: Yeah. It's, it's, maybe it's too much in the sun, so the green kind of lightens up. No. It's just layers that way. In the washing. too much yeah. bleach.
2: She did promise uh,
1: two weeks ago that uh, they were going to break the internet, so. They broke it with the release of that uh, issue cover as well of Entertainment Weekly.
0: Yes, yeah. That broke the internet? I'd like
1: to at least, you know, put a, sp- a thing in the wheel. And, you know, it went... spoken spoke arr, in the work. Yeah, there okay. we go. Yeah.
0: Fix it. Come on. We need this thing. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, definitely... It's a great two-minute tra- trailer. And definitely a wedding in the appetite for the next installment in The Marvelous. This will be movie number 20... 20... 21. 21. Okay.
1: That'll be movie 21 and Avengers 4 is 22. Okay. There we go.
2: And then a whole new universe all again.
1: It's, oh. yeah, that's going to be the craziest part about it like the whole this is their reboot this is their whole we're gonna bring keep some elements and then change up other things
0: I like that see so the reboot is because you know you have the gauntlet now you're gonna have a boot so yeah ant boot I'm going back to the first Avengers movie then okay. the mystical belt will probably be the third fa- the the
1: third reboot right <laughs>
0: <laughs> maybe a hat collect the whole series you're gonna get a big old costume here yeah okay the infinity pants No end. (laughs) Ever, ever, ever. Come to bargain.
1: Wait, so so there's no end, so they're infinity assholes chaps? I guess. What about the infinity
0: glasses? One size fits everybody. I don't know. (laughs) Okay. Bring in those tangents. Let's go. So bring it on home to me. What we're going to be doing now is
1: into our main event of this episode.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the main event. I'm sorry. It's wrestling, isn't it? Or fighting? Yeah.
1: It can, it, it's, it's punching with the fists and the stuff and the yeah. kicks and the ball punches. It's very oh, Las oh. Vegas. It's good. <laughs> yes. But what we want to talk to you people about is X-Men The Last Stand from 2006 and... This movie gets a bit of a bad rap. Personally, I'll just get it out there now. I like this movie for the most part, but there were quite a few problems as a comic book purist. Where I'm watching the movie and go, actually, that should be this way. Why is it this way?
0: Yeah. Well, what are they doing? What they, they went into a black hole, maybe, and they didn't know how to get out of it. Yeah. Could be. Um, I think I enjoyed it more. Or I I absorbed more in this watching. Uh, this time around but the first thing you have to figure out of course like I think I must have started the notes with join the Brotherhood take a stand which side will you choose you know that kinda it's a good way to put it that's way well they put it that way so I did it for all it's one hour and 44 minutes of running time which is
1: really short for an X-Men movie to be completely honest because most of these movies are very lengthy and they give you a lot more to process.
0: Well, if they if they, they, were a lot of characters in there, first of all, so some you hadn't seen before and some whose names I will say were there if we don't touch on them throughout the course of it. And I said, wait a minute, that character was there? Wait a minute, that one was there?
1: And I'm yeah. sorry,
0: when I when I see those
1: things, yet's yeah, kind of like trying to be like to the fans, hey, did you see who was here just now? This guy, this guy was over here. Oh, yeah? Five seconds. Whoop! They do. Yeah, it's pointless. Why would you incorporate that character other than to be like, "Hey, let me get a reaction out of uh, Billy over here with his,
0: you know, big gulp soda." Going, "Oh my God, you Well, look, what was that?" Like you said, maybe to get, to get to get people in. Like uh, Spider-Man Three had to have all these characters in for you know,
1: yeah, but not those characters great results. Still had a use. Yeah. Whereas, like you know, you're seeing, for example, like let me let me. I'm trying to think of a random character. Think pull one that didn't even really do anything. Can you think of one? Dude, I'm sure I. I'm sure I can. Who?
2: There's a dude that had like a blowfish face, you know. And he killed that doctor.
0: Oh, I called him the porcupine. Yeah, but <laughs> oh, okay. he
1: he was there, but he kind of served a purpose. There were other ones. Where he you had you a just couple of different.
0: Yeah, yeah. That you're saying, Joe. Per, that one did have more screen time. Killed that doctor, and I, I think he was Kid Omega, at the at the ending credits. If I identified the right the right character multiple man had like
1: yeah he was nothing
0: yeah he 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 was a decoy he he was two scenes
1: essentially Uh, let's go with multiple man because multiple man you can build an actual movie around because of the concept of the character and the fact that they might actually be doing that with james franco he's going to be
0: doing that soon so who knows jamie is it jamie madrix which is is jamie madrix Madrox Madrox. Madrox, M-A-D-R-O-X, I believe. Okay, hey, people
1: yeah. listening, at yeah. us, at Peter Melnick and at The Marvelists, and let us know through strongly worded tweets how we botched that pronunciation.
0: It happens.
2: That was very macho, man. Yeah.
1: Very nice, Peter. <laughs>
2: Thank you. Uh-huh. All
1: Personally right. macho listening, um, man.
2: Read the and notes. Yeah, and I guess why they will be arguing their points uh where they thought the movie went wrong, and I guess some also what they liked. Uh, I actually, from what I had heard talking to Peter entering this, I think liked the movie the best of the three of us, so I will try to defend it in my best nature. You'll be a defender. Yeah,
0: Peter warned uh, me, I guess, Joe, to say, you know, we want to get the other viewpoint, and and Joe really liked it. And, okay, well, I'm usually pretty much uh, on, not on the fence, but middle ground, so and Peter's like hate it
2: your fence and I'm like I like it.
0: Yeah, I mean I'm leaning towards more forgiving if there were errors and mistakes and like why did they do that kind of yeah. Or I wish they didn't um you know I wish they didn't kill Scott and I wish they didn't kill the professor. Let's go with that for, for starters. But um, the biggest botch of
1: this movie was Dark Phoenix. Plain and simple to the point why did you have that story? <sighs> What's the point? It was an afterthought the entire movie. They were just trying to continue a plot thread from the previous movie. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. could have done this whole movie without her and it would have been fine. Well, I disagree there. Did you why really, is that? But, but did you want to do a whole movie without her? <laughs> yeah, you can because then it's called X-Men 4.
2: <sighs> well, I mean, I thought that they knew going into that movie or they had a pretty good idea that that was going to be the last one of that particular group or else why would you call
1: it The Last Stand? I mean, otherwise you'd be...
0: Next to last stand. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Because we're seeing Xavier standing in one scene, and then he's in the wheelchair. That was his last stand. He's
2: levitating. Otherwise, it'd be like, maybe last stand, or X-Men last stand, question mark?
0: (laughs) Or dot, 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 question Yeah. Yeah,
2: you know? But, I mean, you know, I I don't know. I mean, I guess from my point of view, I think that you had to have
0: her in the movie. Um, From my
2: point of view, the Jedi are wrong. (laughs) Yeah, you know, I just... That That's that's another Star Wars reference, folks. Uh, and <laughs> <laughs> and uh, going back to the X-Men, I mean, for me, I just, you know, I feel like and part of my argument that I have is that the whole X-Men trilogy of the first one, the second one, and the third one is really revolving around two major points, uh, mm-hmm. one of which is that this disconnect between mutants and humans, which I think has a very uh, important uh Powerful message. Oh, it's profound. Yeah. When you look at even today's society and the separation of certain folks, and um, you know, and that type of thing with mutants and humans, and and sort of how you saw in the first movie how, and second, and how like you know there was a great dislike for them, and then by the time you get to the third movie at the end of this movie, Hank McCoy, the Beast, aka by Wolverine calls him Furball, uh, became the ambassador of the United Nations. Yep. So that's like a big point so that comes full circle but the other part of this movie which would probably something the comic book purist would probably hate is just from the beginning and, and I have to apologize to the Marvelous listeners coming into this because I'm not a comic book purist I've never read any of these X-Men comic books mm-hmm. I have no idea what the comic book should say <laughs> yes uh, but you know my point is that it seemed they were very hell bent from the beginning to have this love triangle exist between yeah. uh Logan, Scott and Jean, right? So,
0: in the comic book.
1: And and it's like that.
0: it's in there as well, so they want to put it through in this medium as well and see what, you know, how it plays off the fans and
1: I would say it was the most intense of the trilogy in terms yeah. of the relationship. Yes, no question. Absolutely. And it was the most like the comics in my yeah. opinion.
2: And, and and were those two things, the mutant human relationship and the love triangle solved by the end of this movie? Yeah. Tragically, but, you know. We had some dead X-Men. Yeah, Scott died. <laughs> Logan had to
1: kill the love of his life very tragically. When I saw the gravestones, by the way, at the end of the movie, I don't know why, but just seeing Scott Summers, Charles Xavier, Jean Grey, the, the tombstones, it's like it was like a pet cemetery. Like, well, we got the fish dead. Let's just bury it in the backyard. Like, that's what it reminded me of. Like, just a little morbid part of me. I'm like,
0: Oh. They're
1: just burying them in their backyard now, I guess.
0: I think though, and I kind of thought, yeah, I'm not sure how I like the way they were done, but I think there are more tombstones in the sense of memorial mm. st- uh, structures because all you had were their names. They flushed no, Scott down the toilet. No, no years of he's disintegrated. No, stop it. They just they like just, a just like a Xavier, pan. and there's a disintegration part to uh, to get in there too. And I'm not talking about the song from the first Ant-Man movie. Mr. Xavier, I don't feel so good. (laughs) Uh, Professor, there's no mister here.
1: Well, he did earn that degree, so yeah.
0: To get it right. Yeah, right, exactly. So, uh, you know, I can understand Joe's point and uh, needing to maintain, because you were establishing the relationship of that triangle with Scott and Wolverine and Jean. So, yeah, let's continue that thread and see where this takes us. And this is a powerful character that how, maybe when they were doing it, they said, how could you not get into the Phoenix component of this because of the fact that from when the comic books were out in the late 70s, early 80s, at the time of the storyline, it was so, and they're still, you know, valuable to, uh, to try and purchase those if you're an individual issue collector like myself. Um, so, yeah, I think it made sense to try and do what you could with this character. But being so powerful, how far, where, do, there's no limit. And I'm sorry, so, she wasn't powerful enough. Yeah, it's. I figured he was going to... It's true. Yeah. You know, she blew up planets.
2: Well, okay, <laughs> I understand you have yeah. that point, but once again, the reason I'm trying to defend this movie in the sense is that I think that this movie could only give the ending that it was meant to give. I suppose, you know? yeah. Which is like, if we're going to just go for a second going off the MCU and the Marvel movies and what you guys love so much about them, And I like is that from the first Iron Man movie, which you guys ran all the way through, through Avengers 4, there was always this plot. Three, Joe, three. Oh, three. Infinity, yeah, yeah. is on the way. Yeah, I'm saying it's going to end eventually, but it's all leading in the same storyline, the same plot. You gave these backstories for each of these characters before you leading up to something. In this movie, if you want to talk about the Dark Phoenix and the whole point of she's not powerful enough and she blew up planets... Well, They never had any time to establish that storyline. She never went to space. She died in a flood So the point is I don't think any of the three X-Men movies if you're trying to judge it on that credence from the first one I mean literally you have Logan not knowing anything about his life Besides the fact his name is Logan (laughs) cage fighting (laughs) in the first movie Then he meets a little girl who can hurt people with a touch Mm -hmm. and then they get in a truck together and they're driving, and then a saber tooth comes out of nowhere <laughs> a and saber-tooth. throws someone out of the car. Like from the beginning, there is no growing storyline. No, we can just... take
0: the up uh, before saber tooth yeah. out, I guess.
2: No, <laughs> no, this is the man who
1: goes. I was on the Facebook the other day. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and then you
2: have Toad, and you know you got these people at the end. It's like all these people are thrown together. Like you see no reference to Toad any point until this final battle, where you have Magneto and a couple, or like one other sign. So everything in the in the three movies were kind of thrown together. So I don't think you can judge the Dark Phoenix off of. Well, she should have had more power. When when were they going to establish this? Because from the second movie, she died in a waterfall. Whereas, and funny thing that we talked about Captain Marvel. At the beginning of this, not to go on too much of a tangent, but it's like you have the whole process of, I believe if I read things correctly, because I researched the Dark Phoenix storyline coming into this, that she went to space and I think she fought some of the scrolls or whatever that that Marvel's supposed to be facing in these movies, right? Or some alien forces. Sounds familiar. So, in a way, I would say that my hope is, not going on too much of a tangent, is I know X-Men is planning to reboot the Dark Phoenix, uh, with this
1: new group that they have from Apocalypse. Which, boy howdy am I excited for that one. <laughs> yeah. That I actually am because I think they will so, do this. My hope justice. is
2: now that Disney and Marvel have this like uh you know no Fox has got the rights or whatever the whole like thing together with it, maybe they can use this as an opportunity to bring the X Men into, you know, the next phase which you're excited about. But yeah, that's the only reason why I said, you know, going on the comic book purist thing, I just Don't see how anyone can be upset with this movie when coming into it, the context that was given. I just don't think it was set up for her to be what, you know, she was in the comic.
0: Well, you're always going to have a discrepancy with the purists. The purists, because it's it's not always going to, and it never, I think, never, because it's not an absolute. It's not either it is or it isn't. There's a lot of gray, gene gray material in between, and it won't translate from a comic book into the movie. And I accept that, starting with the first Spider-Man movie, and I will always say that you know cuz he never grew uh things. material to to adhere to his walls out of his fingers. He never so. had rose uh thorns come out of his fingers. Rose That's th- what I always thought they were. <laughs> That's what they Yeah, they're like pincers or or, or prickly pinchy pinchy pinchy. They pinky. didn't have little suction cups so they weren't, you know, those kind of things, but imagine but yeah, if they did. Imagine then maybe that would be a little bit different. But a little so, uh, side note with respect to Toad, one of the original brotherhood of evil mutants. Yeah.
1: Him That's the creepy guy in the trench coat. Who's the creepy guy in the trench coat? You know who I'm talking about.
0: Not the vanisher? I'm not sure. What but movie I know. Was
1: he, in? he was never
0: in the movies. But this was a the... comic book thing from the early X-Men comic yeah. books and the and blob. He,
1: he wears a long brown trench coat and he literally looks like he's about to flash someone. And I love how on Ed Pisker's uh, X-Men Grand design, one of the variant covers for number two is him going, "Mind if
0: I lick your ankle." it's that so you're
2: telling me his villainous superpower was public indecency and (laughs) creepiness
0: yes (laughs) maybe I I don't recall that one unfortunately I don't remember the whole original cast of the Brotherhood although originally Brotherhood of Evil Mutants included Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver so that's true so there again I cannot hear his head shaking but it's okay Um, let's get into some of the opening things that I thought were noteworthy of, starting right from the beginning, with the opening shot that says it was 20 years ago, and a car approaching a house in a cul-de-sac, it's the Gray Residence, I don't know that there's a reference to the house number, 1769, and I'm seeing a picture of this sinister looking guy, so, um, yeah, he kind of does look familiar, but it's a newer version, so... Well,
1: that's based on the original
0: design. Yeah, but if you find an older one, then, um, he's got a ringmaster look, feel to him without his circus hat. And he's got that pencil-thin, sinister-type mustache and, you know, yeah, and kind of a little bit
2: of that guy from V for Vendetta. But okay. John Waters. All right.
0: Yeah. The, yeah, Okay. Yeah, I got you. All right. So Xavier gets out of the car. He's in the passenger. So I thought it was kind of odd that both his feet land out of the car, you know, on the pavement. As Like, you don't get out of the car that way, do you? Unless you're, you're swinging your whole body over to get out of there. But regardless, it's That's 20 years ago. It's just a, just a little thing here. We see Jean as a young girl. I'm assuming she's about 10 years old. But she's already got these powers that can lift cars that are outside on the whole block and and lift up the lawnmower for the guy next door cutting the grass. And the water lifting out of the hose. Look who it is, true believers. It's Stan Lee. With erectile dysfunction. (laughs) Of a hose nature. Stop it. (laughs) Jeez. I can't get it up, true believers. (laughs) All right, I'm going to fast forward to the credits because (laughs) the lawnmower man which it says in the credits which is a Stephen King novelette Chris Claremont. Yeah. And I like what he oh okay. So I wasn't paying as close attention to uh, to it there. But at the end I saw that. And the question that comes up was will you control your power or let it control you? Cut to Warren Worthington the 3rd uh which goes to now they say 10 years prior to the main action of the movie and he's in the ba- in the, I guess in the house trying to uh clip his own wings with a Pair of scissors, a knife, a sort assortment of all kinds of things outside of a Ginsu system. I hated that scene so much. It was it's little, so it's pretentious and up its own ass. I just I didn't like it. You but know? he he didn't want to be different. He wanted to you know be accepted by his father. and join the AV club. He was crying, and uh, and then it says the not too distant future where there's a battle scene, and this is where the movie was spot on because you've got um, well you've got the characters into Bobby. Iceman, and Kitty Pride and also uh, Rogue. Logan saying, hey, Tin Man, how's your throwing arm? And I, mean, I forgot how much Kitty Pride
1: was in this movie. Like, yeah. There was a lot of scenes heavy with Kitty Pride, which is cool, because Kitty is one of the most underrated X-Men members to the general public, because they don't know Kitty Pride that well.
0: No, no, just from the Did beginning. She's not the juggernaut.
1: Yeah, well, <laughs> the juggernaut, bitch. Yeah. Which is a reference <laughs> to a viral video, which was, I'm the juggernaut, bitch! That was literally all it was. They referenced a meme in the, X-Men the movie. The
0: movie referenced it. Oh, so the movie got that line from. From a meme online uh, back okay. in the early so 2000s. I had no prior knowledge of that. So, yeah.
1: But speaking of prior. Well, no, not prior. It's prior. Richard, Richard Pryor. Well, I'm going with Pride, Kitty Pride. That sucked, Peter. Anyway. Okay. So. Yeah, yeah. So w- it turns out they're Good fighting time. a
0: sentinel where the head comes flying down and, and uh, Wolverine exits from behind that, that head and says, hey, Colossus, nice throw. We get to hear his name at least instead of a Tin Man, you know. That kind of thing. Uh, That'll happen later, that kind of a setup. But you realize now, as everything kind of fades away, it's a danger room session. And I actually thought the scene was supposed
1: to be from Days of Future Past. Like That was my initial idea of this whole post-apocalyptic future with the Sentinels. Wolverine looks a little bit older.
0: You couldn't know it was from Days of Future Past because we hadn't gotten to that yet.
1: No, I get that, but it's okay. that sc- that scenario from that storyline of the whole post-apocalyptic world, Sentinels attacking the mutants, hunting them I down. I think
0: when I first saw this, and I saw this sequence happening, this battle, I said, oh, this has got to be, you know, it's a simulation. It's, and they, and the, you know, the automated female voice says, simulation complete. I think they nailed it. It was a danger room sequence. That is just what they would do in the comic books. But they were learning, trying to learn how to fight as a team, as Storm was trying to tell Logan... No, don't do it on your own, you know, not for any other reason. Like, you're going to kill yourself, or whatever, you're going to mess up, but working together, that was the whole thing about it. They could cancel the session if they had to, if somebody was in danger of losing their life, simulation or not. But that's, you know, he, I guess, essentially wanted to uh, end it. Uh, and then we go to Scott, who's in a, a room. So essentially, you see a tear running down his face. He's, uh, he's hearing Gene, and um, you're, you're pairing up uh, Rogue and Bobby. And maybe there's a relationship going on there, Scott and Logan, who uh, Scott decides he's going to go out, assuming, you know, finding Jean because he's hearing her voice. And the interchange is good because Scott has a line that says, not everybody heals as fast as you, Logan. And I think that was kind of poignant. There are are maybe not memorable lines in here, but upon a rewatch, some things stand out. That's why I made notes about it. And then we go to, like you already mentioned, Joe, the Department of Mutant Affairs and one blue, furry, bounding beast upside down, as the character would be doing, reading something, in this case, Scientific American, with a uh, story on the cover that says tracking mutations and him being addressed as Mr. Secretary before he begins to become the U.N. Uh, ambassador. Um, we, we have um, the other blue skinned mutant, which is Raven or Mystique, Raven Darkholm, who she's addressed as, but she says that's her slave name. And uh, her family, what did it say? My family tried to kill me, you pathetic meat sack.
1: Well, real and quick, and I'm very memorable line. And very
0: very upset when she's going, homo sapien.
1: Real quick, going back over to the introduction of Heck McCoy. First off, I was not a fan of how the character was introduced in the previous X-Men movie, where he was just literally a guy making a cameo on a TV. And to be honest, yes. going back to what we were saying, these kind of Easter eggs or whatever of just like hidden appearances of these characters like, they're designed for the hardcore fan to go, oh my God, you guys, it's, it's, it's that guy Yeah, from you, issue number 72.
0: They drop it in, right, they drop these yeah, little I mean, things Colossus in.
2: Colossus had a big fight scene in the second movie when uh, Stryker raided the school, where yeah. he was like, you know, helping him. He, made, he was the main force in helping him get the kids out safely.
1: But what I liked about this, though, this movie was the usage of Hank McCoy. And, you know, right down to the whole, oh my stars and garters.
0: That was a great line. That was just right from, so... And if we're being honest... People geeked out. I think I did.
1: If we're being honest here, has there ever been a... Would you guys say that this casting of Kelsey Grammer playing the role of Hank Beast McCoy is on par with a Charles Xavier being played by Patrick Stewart, Wolverine being played by Hugh Jackman... I would say it. he fits the character. He's like, you can't see anybody else other than, oh, for God's sake, Niles.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think, yes. Even if you don't know much Kelsey Grammer other than this movie, which I only know in passing. I never was a, a regular fan Mercy. of his regular TV show. But to know his mannerisms and his quips, um, he's, he's humorous. He's also brilliant. He's a doctor. Hank, it, Hank, Henry, a.k.a. Hank McCoy. Uh, if you get past the, you know, those two, those two names, which are somewhat synonymous, but one is more slang, I guess, and more relaxed, comfortable, whatever it would called.
1: But this leads to the ability to say, Kelsey Grammer, action star. Think about yes, that. Yes, it does. Yeah, I okay.
2: remember more for Beast. I never liked Frazier.
0: Well, oh, for God's sake, Joe. See? So there you, there you are. I know more Kelsey from being the Beast. But you know, well, there comes a time whenever you know when when the the, the the battle, the fight scene yeah, at well, the end, all men must fight. And about the uh, the, the uh, what about diplomacy? Well, there comes a the time whenever oh, you get the point. Oh, you yeah, I don't know what to do those tossed salads and scrambled
1: eggs. They're calling again. Where is that from? I don't know. Frazier, Mercy, from
0: Mind of Melmoth. Oh, I thought Frasier. that was
1: like Gilligan's Island for a sec. No, no, that's completely different. <laughs> that's not whatsoever <laughs> like Frazier. <laughs> sort of, except they're on an island. But yeah, back to X
0: Men. Well, we also have the introduction of Jimmy, who is the character known as Leech, who, uh, because of them, can absorb other mutants' powers and essentially negate them. And that comes in handy uh, later on. We also see Worthington Labs, at least in their logo. Um, The introduction of Dr. Moira McTaggart through a video. Xavier is teaching a lesson. Um, And also uh, the idea of, and it it happened in the comic books, about Storm possibly taking over the, the lead in the team, because Scott is a changed man, as Professor says. So some threads of the comic book are showing through in this movie, so... Your threads are showing, Eddie. Kudos to that, too. Some threads are supposed to be showing, but I'm not of that religious persuasion. The interchange with Beast and Logan, which was... There was a deleted extended scene, I think, actually, I'd seen on the on the DVD, where, where Beast says to Logan, I hear you're quite an animal, and the response is, look who's talking. And Beast actually growls at him later, but and the and the uh, Beast and Storm Interchange where Beast says, you don't shed on the furniture. So little digs, jabs, little funny points that come up throughout, and it's, and it's kind of funny. We move on to a uh, shot of outside a meeting place where there's a flyer on a, a light pole that says it's a community action meeting, no humans allowed, and we see Magneto and Pyro together, and a female speedster who I think... Is is who is who that is? She counts up eighty-seven mutants, and they're, they're all above a class three. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, other than uh, other than the two of them who have entered the room, that would be Pyro and and Magneto. Magneto. Oh, yes. I will never hey. let
1: you live that down, Eddie.
0: <laughs> Sounds like an internet service. Maybe back in the day it was. Maybe try it was. Magneto DSL. Right. <laughs>
2: I don't think DSL would have been back in the day, but
1: try with our T1 cable. <laughs> maybe like more more dial up, but
0: well, this is not a uh, what I'm going to say now is not a, a romantic or maybe it is. It's a, it's a uh, you kind of wanted it to happen where Scott actually does go out to Lake Alkali and still hears Gene um what is he either throws off his glasses or just shoots an optic blast into the water. Not to say that that Activates or reactivates her, but all of a sudden Jean is there now, I coming d- through some blinding light. I just love the idea of well, it's six o'clock on a
1: Wednesday. I'm gonna go out to the water, go sh- shoot things out. Maybe Jane will come back. I don't know. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I, I oh, think that nope, I think that
2: was a very romantic scene, Peter. I mean, he she
0: felt the warmth of his heart
1: and eye beams. <laughs>
0: through <his laser> eyes. <laughs> yes, and she could control them, just to show how much power she she had. So, but the thing is when. It's, it's felt as to what has happened. Professor Xavier is able to pick that up and says, get to Lake Alkali, to Logan and Storm. And uh, after Storm clears the fog that's there, everything is like, like there's no gravity. Everything is floating. So what's up with that? Everything floats down there. I don't know if that has to do, maybe a little reference as we were talking about, you know, the, the comic book having Phoenix be in space where there's no gravity. and She's here, defying gravity. Here comes Wick. Scott's glasses flying coming through the air and you know it's but the odd thing is that just the material the the, the rocks the stones of some of it on the on the beach there on the lake um, off, just off the lake rather are floating but yet storm and Logan are not like astronauts floating in space somewhere anything like
1: that.
0: <laughs> so, yeah. and gene is told to be a, found as a class 5 mutant by that Speedster who has the bunch of tattoos and the lip piercing and everything that she's on the on the side of the brotherhood.
2: And Magnino clearly knew exactly who it was.
0: Yeah.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. Because he knew from twenty years ago. He knew that you know that I know that you know that he knew that
0: you knew. And now we all know. Yep. It
1: was a game of telephone, Peter. And Heard of course, it from he, a friend who.
0: <laughs> come, thank you, REO Speedwagon. Mario Speedwagon. <sighs> Mario, Kevin Cronin. Whoever great, whoever fits great in here. video game Peter An Oreo speedwagon if you're hungry for a snack, I you know, but we do <laughs> it does come out with Professor Xavier's explanation that Gene is a dual personality here, uh, the the conscious one and the dormant one, which is the Phoenix, so not to be confused with the Wesley Snipes character in Demolition Man or the band Phoenix. The band Phoenix. Known for Liz-to-mania.
2: Oh, that band. Okay. Oof. Okay. Good job. It's also a city in Arizona.
0: Yes. This is absolutely positively true. We uh, we also d- hear about Xavier, who'd been trying to control Gene, and Wolverine takes it the wrong way with these psychic blocks to to cage the beast. And Wolverine takes high offense to this and starts, you know, he gets, he gets set off and put off by that. So now we have a little conflict or friction between these two characters, and which way is is Wolverine gonna wind up going now? But we find out, of course, later. Uh, we get back to Worthington Labs, where there's a rally, and uh, and Warren Worthington III, A.K.A. the Angel, who uh, was going to undergo the, the cure, the band, but, but decides not to. He wanted to see Robert Smith. The injection, yes. The these make, pictures of make, you make me not pictures of you.
2: And as he gets closer to give him the inject the. Uh, that injection he uh clearly looks stressed out and and
0: starting to get uneasy and then he breaks free just uh the opposite way though not wanting to take the cure but when the whole scene comes up where uh, mystique is being transported with uh with juggernaut and with multiple men and the military come in and shoot the darts the needles and mystique takes that hit and transformed, but and instantly, Magneto says, I'm sorry, my dear, you're not one of us anymore.
1: Yeah, that was kind of cool seeing that level of- it's cold. Uh, yeah, it's- Yeah,
0: that too. But I, I like It's cold that. when you're not wearing anything but your blue skin, and yeah. I, I just feel that idea
1: Scales. of- Scales. If you're not with us, you're against us, and if you lost even a little bit, a modicum of what you are, what makes you a mutant, you're not a part of us anymore. Yep. I love that, like- that brutalness to the character.
0: And there's another little bit of tension, too, where where Hank McCoy and the president are having words. And Hank is totally unaware that they've decided to turn this cure into a weapon to n- nullify mutants instead of, you know, using Leech as the catalyst for this. But now it's taking on a different dimension and you got a little tension now between, the, you know, the government. And, but for their own reasons, and, their, and rightfully so, you know, fearing the unknown and not knowing, you can't just let... Any, everything, Whatever happened for Homo Superior to take over Homo Sapien and so on.
1: Yeah. And Eddie, you remember one of the government officials that shows up in this movie, Bolivar Trask. Trask, yes. Who has quite a bit of a transformation in the, in <laughs> two X-Men movies from now. He becomes what he looks like in X-Men uh, The Last Stand and becomes essentially Peter Dinklage in Dimin- X-Men Days of Future Past. D-
0: diminutive in stature, yes.
1: And then eventually... He ends up going on to become Sweetums from the Muppets in Avengers: Infinity War.
0: <laughs> I love you guys. Why didn't you save us, Thor? He creates the 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 Stormbringer. He yeah. also had
2: one heck of a Super Bowl commercial.
0: Oh, did he? Okay, yeah. <laughs> he must have been wrapped, on a wrapped break. Bu-
2: he rapped Buster Rhymes. Oh my I'm God. proud of
0: him. Proud of the guy. Yeah. Back to well, the, the most in- I maybe mean, one of the most intense scenes was. Having Gene When they were camping, they were intense. Almost intense when they were camping. Yeah. That's right. I'm a teepee, I'm a wig mom, I'm a teepee. I got your problem, you're too tense. Okay. Mm-hmm. There's a joke in there somewhere. I think I, I think I got it out. But but uh, just <laughs> as an opposite thing had happened when Wolverine was first found in the first X-Men movie and Gene was watching on him, just the opposite now. Logan uh, with just one touch of Gene, she's awake. She's, you know, exhibiting both her personalities and one of the most intense uh scenes going on because uh, as Phoenix, she's totally into and wants to be with Logan. And uh, when the, when that belt comes off, Logan realizes, hey, wait a minute, let's let's get a grip here. Let's uh, hold on. Let's put it in perspective. Gene, can you hear me? Whatever. No, I don't want to fix it. And she busts literally out of that whole steel door, vault door, whatever you want to call it. And uh, we've got a force to be reckoned with here for, for dang sure. Because now we go back to the house where it started, the gray house. It's not really that gray, the house. It's more like... uh, In name. But... And the standoff. And here's where you have your first... Who the heck knew from 2006 to 2018 what disintegration was really going to look like, a.k.a. Infinity War? Yeah, never mind a snap. This took a lot longer with Defying Gravity. Took at least three minutes. uh, Yeah, all that scene with, uh, with with Storm and Logan fighting... Juggernaut and the other couple of, of baddies while Charles Blowfish and, boy. and Eric try to uh, convince Gene to go with each each one of them. And really, it was just a matter of Magneto sitting at the base of the kitchen sink, not doing anything. I don't know if he was immobilized or maybe he thought he was because it was strictly between Gene and Charles. And and he's saying, uh, don't let this control you. And kerplooey, Charles is no more. All we have is a wheelchair and a sobbing and crying Logan and Storm. End of scene. Yeah, I think Magneto figured that if he got involved, he'd be dead too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think he has a realization right there about Jean's power when he yells Charles before he goes bye-bye.
2: Yeah, because all they've all as strong as Magneto is, it's always been sort of I believe like how superior and supreme that um, you know Charles Xavier was.
0: So for someone to just dispatch of him rather easily. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And leave it to be put upon Storm's shoulders, because she's really the most experienced, the one who'd been there the most now, leader of the group, to talk about his eulogy. That he had a vision, a vision of world of a world united. And just, you know, vision, of course, you can go to that other character in the in the Avengers. And that's just a very minor tangent there. But you have uh, another interaction with Bobby and Kitty. Um with Bobby uh, changing the the pond to ice so that uh, it kind of helps. It comforts Kitty because she used to skate when she was a child. And then you have Rogue looking on, which is even making her more so want to get and pursue the cure. So there's a little stuff going on there. Uh, cut to um, Xavier being said by Magneto. Charles Xavier did more for mutants than you'll ever know. He died for our way of life. He's telling this to Pyro.
2: After Pyro threatened that he would have taken the professor
0: out. Yeah, I would have taken him out or whatever, yeah. Uh, Angel comes to the school because it's thought that the school will not be able to continue. And uh, such is not the case because Storm says, no, we're going to keep the school open. We'll take you in. And at the, at the uh, Xavier Memorial is where now Wolverine hears Gene's voice. So that's going to uh, unfold. What happens next? Oh, uh, Bobby is looking for Rogue. She's online, I think, to to get the cure. Pyro shows up, and he, of course, throws a flame ball at the the lab to start something up. And Magneto's threat is issued on Fox 5 News. You have that little drop in there. And part of what I remember hearing, I don't know if it was part of the commercial for the movie, but uh, Magneto's saying, your cities will not be safe. Your streets will not be safe. You will not be safe. Some kind of accent going on there, I think. Yeah. Um, much better than mine. Much better yes. than yours,
1: <laughs> Joe. Joe. Does, Joe is the master of accents. Yeah, really?
2: a- every one I do goes back to the same one, the, which is, uh, it's which like is? a mix between German and Chinese.
1: Wow. Journey's nice. nice. Yes, I guess not good. Joe, do your best. Uh, Russian and... accent for Colossus from Deadpool. Sure. Uh, vodka. <laughs>
0: succinct to the point one word two syllables thank you Peter Respey
2: many apologies the more words words that happen the worse it gets so I just stuck with the one many
1: apologies to our Russian listeners out there
0: right okay yeah we also have another scene here where uh, we get to get the uh, unleashed full berserker rage of a tank top white shirted Logan in the forest Wolverine fighting through to, to find Gene, and he gets roughed up pretty good by being tossed around by Magneto, and maybe mercifully so when he uh, is tossed aside by Magneto, wh- slams into a tree, and you just see him briefly drop down on the ground. You see he's pretty bloodied up, but it's a very short scene, just enough to register in your mind, wow, he's really messed up. Okay, and it went to the next, the next thing. I think that was a merciful uh, thing to make it so so short. Next, what's up? Magneto's base of operations. Because they found they got all the information, meaning the government, from Mystique, who's now human, and the the famous quote, hell hath no fury like a woman scorned. Especially a blue one. Yeah. Blue and scaly well, and no for, more. Formerly blue. Formerly blue, exactly, right, right. But hey, you get to see, at least this is the second scene with multiple men, that he's uh, his image is uh, all those characters supposedly on that map, on that radar, that's being surrounded by four different sides. And he says, okay, I surrender. And he's the last one. So they were on to the government coming in and trying to uh, wipe out or at least subdue the mutants with their plastic cartridges. And they, they said it they were dispensing. They were dis- the, um, the troops were being dis- uh, assembled. Pick up your cure cartridge. Absolutely no metal. That was a good scene to, to remember that they had learned Magneto, Master of Metal, can't have any metal. Let's do this. So it looked like they were trying to do the right thing. Um, we'll see what happens to the troops later. Unfortunately, they, they don't meet too, too well. But uh, how about the Magneto moving to bridge scene to get to Alcatraz? You
2: and, know, this was an interesting scene because I saw a lot of criticism online for this particular scene in the movie. Oh, really? Yeah, people were like, you know, for someone who's as powerful as Magneto, uh, why take it i mean i know the thing was on water but like why spend so much time dismantling a bridge
0: you know you have the same argument like peter was saying that phoenix is so strong she can blow up planets and she wasn't powerful enough and uh, so this kind of sounds like it's on along the same lines um yeah and the, also the interaction with the passengers in the one car that was, you know, stopped you on the bridge. You mess with
1: one of us. You mess with all... Oh, wait, that's sorry. It's Spider-Man, that's Spider-Man. It's
0: Green Goblin. It's Mary Jane. Well,
2: I, I mean, I didn't have a problem with the scene a, because he, I think it fits Magneto's personality. He likes the theatrics and...
0: Yeah, uh, sure. He, and he's the a showman.
2: Yeah, so he's like, yeah, let me just... Well, a
0: Hugh Jackman reference. Okay.
2: And he likes to pursue, perceive himself as, like, because of, you know, Charles Xavier looks at their powers as being, like, protecting people who don't have the powers and being a member of society... Manito looks at him like we are the superior species, we can do it. So what more godlike type of interpretation would you mm. get than seeing someone move an entire bridge over water? Yeah,
0: so locking the door to your car isn't gonna help you. That she that, that she, the, the wife, the mother as the passenger decides to, to do it. Yeah, it true? was it was just like you know, trying to put a bit of humor into a uh, an oncoming serious situation. I mean vehicles came a long way to that point, but yeah, not that far. Yeah, right, exactly. Then But the thing that bothered me here now at this point in the movie was this bridge has been moved. Your next scene, oh, it's nighttime. Pick up that, you know, I don't think I caught that the very first viewing, but you're just moving along with the way the movie is unfolding. But it wasn't like the sun was going down when he's moving the bridge. It didn't take him all that much time, I don't think. But here we go. You know, they're on a shooting schedule, and this is when they could get to it next. So now it's nighttime all of a sudden. Pyro roasted them up some s'mores. They talked a little bit, (laughs) made a game plan. Yeah, in chess... The pawns
1: go first. That I was don't... the first wave. Speaking of Pyro, by the way, he's just as useless to me as he was in the first movie or the first appearance of him. I'm trying
0: to be, X-Men he's two. a badass wannabe. How's that? He's just
1: nothing. It's like he literally made a made a little fireball and blew up a building. That was about it.
0: Yeah, but he did. He did better by making s'mores out of those flying vehicles. True. True. And he is a kid, though. Talk I mean, about a theory. car bomb. Yeah, he is. He is. He's yeah. like he's he's
2: a high schooler essentially. His character is cast as so. When you look at it that way, I mean, he's not supposed to play a
1: huge role. He's not at the pinnacle of his power. Kitty Pride was a high schooler, and she had quite a big role in the comics,
0: at least. She did. She she kind of grew or evolved into that. Um, they brought Kitty up to speed with this movie because it was uh, all hands on deck. I mean, and you had the six different X-Men make their... Well, Kitty came off the, uh, the Blackbird, jumping into the battle scene at Alcatraz with Bobby, phased down so they would fall, be broken, and then come back. And Bobby says, don't ever do that again. But they come into individual you get to see a little bit of their individual dropping into the into the fray of d- the band i
1: did like the i did like the incorporation of that joke and as well as the usage of kitty pride in the battle but i felt like i didn't like her being an ancillary player with the whole love triangle or the love you know story going on yeah. between bobby and rogue because you don't do that with that character who is she known primarily with romantically? In the comic book with Colossus. Mm-hmm. And it the fact they didn't touch on that really bothered me. The closest thing they had with that was them sitting at the funeral together. Yes. In my opinion. Like that was the closest thing. Yeah. And yeah, once again, I know it can't exactly be like the comic. You have to, you know, deviate from the source material. And there are many times where that is beneficial and it helps. But by doing that, in some instances, it's not doing these characters justice how they really should be portrayed. And to make Kitty probably just something that makes another character jealous,
0: no bueno. Don't like it. <laughs> don't like it.
1: I don't like it. Yeah,
2: I mean, just- Bobby was just being a good teammate. I mean, you know
0: they're exhibiting uh, human characteristics so maybe, Yeah, maybe you know they the flaws they, of jealousy the mutants have same similar things that humans do so there's some parallels to hey we know people who are like that and they're not mutants but you know they behave that way too so yeah maybe they're drawing subtle subconscious parallels in this it could be i it, it is possible but yeah we have the Magneto pyro flaming flying car show going on and then, of Sunday, course... Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. The lines... Ah, <laughs> Raceway Park! Yeah, okay. In Englishtown, New Jersey. Thank you for that delineation. But some of the lines come back from before, like we work as a team, the best defense is a good offense, uh, Bobby goes up against Pyro, maybe you should go back to school, and we have, and kudos to this scene where Bobby becomes a full-blown ice man, so to speak, because he is iced over, glazed over, and, you know, to... Protect himself from the the flame of pyro that's, that's encompassing him. And uh, yes, maybe you should go back to school. Knocks him out, headbutts him out. Maybe you should have never left. It's so a big coming of age there from Bobby. Exactly the Wolverine Colossus thing again. Let me get a strike. Colossus picks up Wolverine and throws him that's from the comic books fastball special Fastball baby. special that's exactly what you didn't hear in the movie but that is what they I called was, it in the comics
1: that the fact they didn't say that in the movie was a disappointment
0: come on <sighs> yeah he said let me get a strike yeah fastball okay
1: Fastball special man
0: fast maybe special. connected to uh the first time he said it where he said uh, how's your throwing arm let me get a strike and uh, fastball special I don't know why maybe they didn't think it would fit I'm not sure. Maybe Move. the director director needed to read the comic books more. dag Nebit. Yeah. That's yeah. possible. Yeah. But I love the deception, though, where Wolverine comes flying and Magneto gets brought down, flipped over. You never learn. Actually, I do. And in comes a bounding beast, wham, with the uh, injection and knocks him down. And it's funny the way Magneto reacts because n- instead of doing what I thought he would have done first, he instead... You know, is laying on his back, then turns around to face Gene and says, This is what they want for all of us! And then he decides to take the needles out of his chest. Like like that would have helped anyway, but just the sequence kind of threw me off a little bit. But okay, fine. So yeah, now and immediately
2: it's, then he cast himself out, because now he is no longer a mutant
0: either. Yeah, I'm... He says to Wolverine... And then he says, One of them. One of them? Yeah, exactly. Now... Now it's down to just Gene as the phoenix, and unfortunately the, uh, the cavalry comes in, not to the rescue, but to all their demise. And phoenix does havoc on every—not the character, not Cyclops' brother—does <laughs> wreak complete and utter destruction on any and all living beings. M- human or mutant, because the ones that had first gone in uh, to—and they killed the doctor— the porcupine guy that i referred to before and and the other co- they get wiped out they go they get disintegrated of course the first rally of troops wiped out let's get out of here the beast says and it's down to now jean phoenix and uh, logan wolverine who keeps getting shredded and reassembled who when you think about it is the best one to go up against her if that's what she's doing to everybody else he can he can kind yeah, of he said he was the, the only back.
2: one that could stop her
0: yeah, or at least get close enough to, to try and do something. And and you know what? This comes to, uh, of course, the last line of, of her saying, save me, and him saying, I love you, and then snicked. And she is dispatched. Very happily, as it were. by the way. She was smiling. She she came to you. The, the uh, smile comes from the pain. That's actually part of a uh, Black Crow song. She talks to angels. But that's a different set of scenario. And But I make the music references. It's what I do. I appreciate that one no, But this, this actually so, reminded me of a lesson Of a saying, a phrase I've heard Is that you only hurt The ones you love And I think that's true to some degree Yeah yeah. Heavy lesson Significant pregnant pause here So now we have a, a rogue who has returned She's cured uh, Leech, I think it's Leech That we see coming down the hallway in the mansion And giving a hug to Storm He's now got some stubbly hair Growing, I'm pretty sure that's that le- the leech character. So maybe his ability has been um, toned down or modified, that kind of thing. And who, then we have, like you mentioned earlier, Joe, about uh, Hank McCoy being announced as a UN ambassador. And uh, in response to watching that TV broadcast, Logan saying "Way to go, Furball," he does call fur, he does call him Furball in one other scene, but it's a deleted scene. It's when they when they meet uh, each other for the first time. Who's the Furball kind of thing? But they just used it the one time, and that was, that was enough, you know. Finally, end of the movie, Magneto sitting in the park with the chess set. And it's not the wind blowing on the chess piece, but there's a slight movement when he has his hand waved up in front of it. And uh, that's how we are left with Brian Singer's name coming into the beginning of the, of the ending credits. Let me mention two, two things. As already I did say, the, uh, the Lawnmower Man character, which is reminiscent of a Stephen King book title, or novelette Chris Claremont, the the water hose man, as he was identified, Stan the Man Lee. There is a credit of Jubilation Lee, Jubilee. Didn't pick up on that one. Didn't see who the heck that was. Uh, Siren, although I was saying it's Siren because it's S I R Y N, whatever. There's a Psylocke character listed. Missed that one. And then, as I said already, Kid Omega, which is, I thought, the porcupine person. But here, I think, in the first of the X Men movies, is the post-credit scene. I hope you didn't leave the theater before this came around because here, like you had first seen in the video with Dr. Maura McTaggart, is the unconscious man in the hospital bed in the room and she goes to him, Maura, to see how she's doing how he's doing, rather Hello, Maura and she says Charles? And and cue me as Krusty the clown, what the hell was that? is what's something professor xavier referenced earlier in the movie being able to what was the possibility of a person's a person's consciousness being incorporated into another human body i don't want to say host that's an alien kind of thing but there that's the movie kids yeah all three pages worth thank you for listening three for three and they X-Men did say uh, in one reference that the, the third movie of a trilogy in this X-Men and in the other X-Men, not as good in the third one's case.
1: It's subjective. It's they really a sh- of opinion. They really should not have said that in X-Men Apocalypse when that movie was e- pretty terrible. E- e- but right, yeah. let's get into our overall opinions of the movie. Joe, since you're a special guest, you're going to go last. No, you go next. <laughs> oh, sh-
2: okay. Uh, listen, I like the movie... I mean, I told you guys like this, I mean...
1: That was I, actually what made me want to bring you on, yeah, to
2: be I believe that X-Men 2, X2 United, was the best of the three of these movies... Oh, yeah, ...from start to finish. But, you know, like I said, I understand why certain people have certain objections to it. You know, what was the purpose of incorporating this character and that character if they weren't going to shine or if they weren't going to be used accurately? But I just think that the movie gave a satisfying conclusion uh, to what they had started on from the beginning. I mean, if you have any issue with it, I understand how important Wolverine is to X-Men. But from the beginning, in this trilogy, he was the focal point for the entire three movies. Uh, And if that's the case, it made sense that he would have this final showdown with Gene, this love triangle he was in, to put a conclusion to that, to have that final scene, Um, And like I said, the mutant-to-human type of thing, you saw progress made. Uh, So like I said, I thought the movie did a good job of tying everything together based on sort of the cards it was dealt leading into the movie. Um, You know, they put the phoenix flying over the water at the end of the second X-Men movie, so you had to address it. And if they weren't going to take the time to expand into multiple movies or have X-Men go into space then, you know, for her to develop the Dark Phoenix powers that way or whatever, then, you know, like I said, I I wasn't too harsh on them for that, just because, you know, I think that, if anything, like I said, it had, uh, if set this movie up to potentially not meet people's expectations. It was just the planning of all three movies. Was there a concise plan from the beginning, as far as what would come next, um, or how it would end? uh, Like we've seen with transitioning over to marvel what's done by marvel studios where there clearly is something that builds upon each other like that clearly was lacking in all three in my opinion of the x-men films but i thought the movie was good because based on some of the things that set up in the previous movies uh i thought it tied it around so I, w- I was satisfied with it um and like i said the fact that they had magneto at the end moved the chess piece and the consciousness scene that you saw there kind of left the door open for maybe they're not dead in case they wanted to revisit
0: it in the future, which and they maybe did. the cure only works for a limited amount of time, yeah,
2: just like the guy's power that they got it from. So
0: yeah, d- exactly right, sure. And and uh, to set up the you know, like you said about the professor coming back, so the potential is there for you know how could you kill off the main guy, the main the head of the the, the school for gifted mute gifted youngsters, yeah.
2: And then later on, you saw in Days of Future Past, which you know, uh, which is another conversation for another time. You could say that an alternative
0: timeline was created. Oh yeah, well, timeline and X Men—you can't come. You, that, that breeds just a host of pr- problems. I think that uh, there's very much inconsistencies. So you just have to try and ingest it and understand it. I remember that there there have been s- uh, more than one site or. Or tra- uh, internet posting about how if this is the way the timeline went here, then how come this and so on was already this age and so a bunch of inconsistencies um, in trying to tell in trying to tell the story. I get it. Yeah. So
1: now, Joe, on our show, we do a scale of one to five. Out of five, what do you rate this movie?
2: Hmm. This is an interesting one, Peter. Yeah. If I, if I was going out of the Peter logic, which is out of ten, when Peter ranks movies on Facebook. Oh. And Twitter. Usually he's uh, famous for the 8 of 10. That's his favorite one. I give movies bad reviews all uh, the time. S- 7 means Peter hated it with his life. He's a very generous movie reviewer. Um, of 1 to 5, I would go with, uh, you know, 3.875, somewhere up in that range, you know. Not quite 4,
0: but, you know. Okay, it, but it, you're it w- you're hovering just near,
2: under it. Near 70%. Like if I was a rotten tomato, uh, you know. I would give it a
1: 70%. You would be a burpee. so Or a cherry tomato. I so for mine, honestly, I like this movie more than I remember doing during my initial viewing. And during the initial viewing, I thought it was okay. I wasn't really that well-versed in the X-Men lore and all that, but I liked what I saw. And to be honest with this movie, with the exception of how they handled the Phoenix storyline, the incorporation of the whole cure for mutants That's a fantastic storyline in its own right. And to be honest, like I said, with the exception of the Phoenix stuff, it was a solid movie. It was, for what an X-Men movie is, it was good. It wasn't the greatest thing. It wasn't mind-blowing. But, what you end up getting out of that is a compelling story. I just feel Dark Phoenix, that should have been its own movie. You don't need a side story, or that to be the side story, because that's how it came across to me. Now, with this, the idea of battling, you know, trying to figure out how to prevent the cure for mutants. And then you have the, the certain parts of it, like looking at Rogue. Rogue doesn't want to be a mutant, but other ones do. And I'm sorry, I, just, I still find that line funny of Storm, who, by the way, was not really that well-developed in this movie again. Did we need to
0: develop her? We knew what They're she try- could do, and you know, where else she going with her right now? again, she's but, being she's she's developing in in the sense of being a leader of the team. but
1: yeah, but you should have a little bit more development if you're trying to make that character a leader. So
2: how would you have developed her?
1: How to give her more of an emphasis on the character in the film, have her be just more out there. She wasn't really that much out there. She just was again an ancillary character.
0: I, I thought mean, she was I thought she was adequately done whether it was a danger room scene about telling Logan we work as a team and or telling Logan if you're going to be with us, then be with us.
2: Yeah, she confronted him in the bedroom when he was trying to get, pick out a pair of socks or whatever in the <laughs> drawer before he was running out the door. I thought he had a lot of, she had a lot of moments where she stepped up as the leader because she had to. Because not just as character development, but also by process of elimination. Aside from Logan, who's not really a people person, yeah. she was the
1: only one left. But so. going back to what I was saying, the idea of her seeing characters like rogue no we're mutants we want to be mutants. i actually don't want to touch someone without killing them so i kind don't want to be a mutant anymore guys just you know not it's... the rogue that we know correct yeah. yeah rogue doesn't want to be golly gee let me let me give you a pat on the oh i killed you sorry <laughs> you know so i i kind of find it funny no we're mutants you literally can you know bless the rains down in africa you get oh, to boy. do that Mm-hmm. She kills people. That sucks.
2: By the way, because you made that song reference, I would say to everyone please don't listen to Toto's version of
1: Hash Bite. It's pretty bad. It's pretty bad.
0: But. Okay, fair warning. For me. Which is a Van Halen album title, but okay.
1: I will say it like this As an X Men movie, if you take away the Dark Phoenix stuff, solid three, three and a quarter for me out of five. That's a good, you know, good solid movie, just fun. But when you factor in Dark Phoenix, I take off a quarter star, I go maybe two and three quarters. But if I have to go with a solid, concrete rating. Is this an algorithm? We're just gonna go with a friggin' three
0: Joe. Okay, geez. <laughs> I knew it was coming to three. I'm like yeah. take the quarter away from three and a quarter, you got three. Gosh dang it. Yeah, this is like this is like Peter's theory. It's going to be in like a math book. Yeah. Concrete, like Kitty pulling Juggernaut into the concrete. Mm-hmm. Yes. Now, Eddie, you, I'm going to probably give it a solid four, with uh, with a couple of minor things. You are that too kind. I am. I am. <laughs> I definitely give it a strong solid four. It incorporated, it tried to do quite a bit, succeeded mm, mostly in character development. Others were just there, whether it's background or, like I said, I discovered names that I might want, might want to go back and see. All right, Who was the Psylocke character? I don't recall Siren. W- which one was that? We did see a shot of, of a young girl that, that was the one that actually screamed and shrieked in the previous, in the X-Men, in X2 United, that I think was the same person. So that, I think, was the Siren character. But a couple of them I just didn't pick up too short of a time in there maybe for editing purposes they took these characters out so you really didn't you you glossed over it I think overall the acting was solid Um, too much maybe in the um, interrelationships between some of the characters that definitely differentiated from the way the comic books were and those relationships like it was already glossed over Rogue's role being different than that of the comic books because she's really one of the strongest and powerful ones of the team, that you you're glad that she's on your side because she was part of the brotherhood, a later version, with being able to absorb another character's, let's say, some of Colossus's strength, as as he was in in metal form. You know, maybe you got a little more of Colossus as that character in his metal personification, which is great. I like to see that, and you know, you see more of him not until. You don't see more of him not until Deadpool comes around and the Russian accent. So, yeah, it's, it, there are just little, little discrepancies like that, too. I'm definitely more forgiving of the way things were done. This is like this person's interpretation. I mean, I can go even to, I think the first time I really became discriminating of a movie, other than the way I knew things kind of were from reading other material, was when Oliver Stone did his movie, The Doors, and uh, portrayed Jim Morrison. And I think some of it was definitely on target, but some of it was like, huh, what? This is his version. So, you know, you got X X number of million dollars. You can do your version, I guess. And and CG wasn't at the level in 2006 it was where you could have a Colossus like
2: the one in the Deadpool movies
0: now, right? No, you actually, in the Deadpool movie, you only saw Colossus as the metal-shaped. You didn't have, and there was no time for him to be Peter Rasputin. Am I right, Peter? Peter to Peter. That's a question for you. Colossus in Deadpool was strictly Colossus. He was not yeah, in human form. Yeah,
1: they never had a human form in the so, Deadpool movies. Yeah. Because, honestly, it was just the joke of, hey, it's him just hanging around, you know, a CGI character. Was his
2: last name really Rasputin?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that the
2: name of that guy in, like, 1900 <laughs>
0: Russia that, like, led to the... Demo- never mind. So a lot of these things come from history, from, from factual character names and events and all that. Yeah, it is true. Absolutely true. But yeah, very much entertaining. I think I gleaned more out of it, and it, it hit home more this time around. You're yourself. I found my uh, myself of a of a in a sobbing nature, of course, with Xavier's passing, and at least one other time, I believe. Well, with Jean, of course, that this you know this had to come to pass, and the cure may not have worked on anybody. Would we get Mystique back in her full blue female form? we get Magneto and his... maybe but then again I'm thinking well maybe the cure only affected or cured somebody for a certain period of time it was more effective kind of like every, every other... single cure for Ben Grimm kind of a t- oh that's a great I love that that is great there's a highlight right there check that off yeah and different incarnate, incarnations of the thing right you yeah. know how many times we tried to cure Ben Bashful Benji but you can't have clobber in time without, without the thing the ever loving blue eyed thing those damn Yancey street punks. So that's right, that gang. That's the movie again. And that's the review.
2: Yeah.
1: So before we go, let's go through our social media rigmarole. Go oh. on Facebook.com slash The Marvelists. Give us a like ski on there. Give us follows on the Twitter machine at the Marvelists. And give myself a follow on Twitter at Peter Melnick. And also give us a follow collectively on Instagram. At the Marvelists. I know it's crazy, right? You can also follow myself at Peter Melnick and yourself Eddie9193. You can also drop us a line in our email bag. Questions, comments, strongly worded letters. We'll read them, we'll take them, we'll just air them out in the open and just throw them at you know, random bystanders. I don't throw know. Throw them up against the wall and see what sticks. Exactly. The Marvelous at gmail.com. And also, you can listen to us on a variety of platforms Tune in Radio, Stitcher Radio. And iTunes. And when you're on iTunes, rate, review, subscribe, and share. Five star if you're ever, ever, ever so inclined. And leave a nice little review. Tell the people at home that you enjoy what you're listening to. And Peter exact my, my golden Dosset tones. Dosset? Yeah. Dossel? Dulcet? That too. Lou <laughs> Dossett Jr. Wow. This is like an SAT prep course.
0: I think so. How far we've come.
1: (laughs) Also, people go on Stitcher.com slash premium and use the promo code at checkout. Marvelists. And when you do, what it does is help support this here fine program. And on top of that, you'll be able to get one free month of Stitcher Premium. For? Free. And guess what happens when you have that Stitcher Premium account? You can listen to a crap ton of content, including... The WTF archives, some of the good stuff over at Earwolf, as well as the Weird Al Yankovic concert archives. Oh, yeah. And Wolverine, The Long Night.
0: And here, here Herefor there afterward. It becomes $4.99. A month. Exactly.
1: What's next? Next movie on our docket is going to be this year. It turns 20, folks. Blade, you folks at home, watch it. Turns 20 this year blade and for the matter and a matter of fact for eddie and i we both have not seen blade i've never watched that movie
0: any of them i've never seen any of them okay well that kind of works with me too bits and pieces of one or the other but I'm, I'm bits and pieces i just realized okay the most experience i ever
1: had with blade was playing the 2000 video game for the game boy color. cutting his
0: finger it was yeah, terrible yeah, yeah.
1: bled everywhere playing blade for the game boy color which by the way i played not too long ago color forms Anyway, it still holds up fantastically for a 8-bit side scroller, beat 'em up. So, Blade,
0: watch it, folks. Thanks again to special guest Joseph V. E. Abraham. Thank
1: and you. Joe, how can people get a hold of you once
2: again on them dar social medias? Oh, well, they can follow me on Instagram and Twitter uh, no, at Joseph Abraham. No, at Joseph V. Abraham. Sorry, I don't even know my own name. Long day. But uh, yeah, no, that's definitely uh, that's the only that's the two best ways to to follow, and uh, you know, big fan of what you guys have uh, built here. And
0: uh, I think just over a year, right? You're close. A
2: little less, yeah.
0: A little, little less. little less, yeah. It's amazing. Yeah,
2: doing some fantastic work. Six thousand uh, plus from going through all the Marvel movies leading up to uh, the Avengers, um, and now just, just going through other Marvel one. movies. <laughs> yeah, and now just going through all the Marvel movies and special interviews in between. So it's. Uh, It's uh, great to see the idea that it was started with to, to what it has
1: blossomed into today. It
2: all started with an idea.
1: For Peter Melnick, I'm Peter Melnick.
2: I'm Joe, the guest.
1: And I'm Eddie Wilson. Excelsior!